Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Hey, if you have your Bibles, if you'll go to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, remember there's three books of John in the New Testament. Uh, the Gospel of John and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are smaller books located towards the back of your New Testament. And last week we began our journey through 1st John chapter 4, a chapter that talks a lot about uh, faith and our fear and love and how perfect love cast out fear. And as we began chapter 4, we saw the dangers of false teachers false teachers being men and women who use Jesus for their own agendas and might twist Scripture and teach people things that are not consistent with the Word of God. And there's a couple of realities that many of us in this room face. Uh, reality one, a lot of us in this room have been burned by love. At some point in your journey, you opened your heart up to a person or to people, and they've taken advantage of you. And then there's a second truth, and that is that many of you in this room have been burned by church. Somewhere in the course of life, instead of encountering loving Christianity, you encountered angry Christianity. Angry Christianity talks more about what it is against than what it is for. And it can do a tremendous amount of damage, especially whenever it begins to twist the scriptures and use it for control in people's lives. And Jesus, if you look at his story, he was always sparring with angry religious people. Who were the people that Jesus argued the most with? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the scribes, and these people were so angry and so skewed in their view of God that they stood in front of the Son of God and saw him as a threat. Imagine being so angry that you come to see evil as good and are good as evil and evil as good. Imagine getting to that point. Anybody ever encountered angry Christianity in your in your life? A few of you? Okay. So let me ask this question when it comes to love and Christianity. Does a Christian have to be loving? Does a Christian have to be loving? Because some people would be like, well, you know, I just don't like all that loving stuff in church. I like the true stuff, you know, but just take all that loving stuff and just kind of leave that. That's just too weak. Is love essential? For authentic Christianity? Can you be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not care about other people? And why should we love each other? These are all questions that we need to wrestle with and we need to answer. So let's look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. And there we can read it in our Bibles. I hope that you bring a copy of the Scriptures with you each week to church. Sometimes people ask me which translation I use. I use the CSB translation, so uh, if you're looking for a new Bible, that would be great. Uh, but verse 7 of 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves 
has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And my goal today is simple. I want to talk through these two verses. And my hope is that uh, you'll come to see why love is essential to our church, why love is essential to your life, and why love is essential to being a follower of Jesus Christ. So the passage begins with these words, dear friends, friends. The Greek word that's translated there, friends, is agapios. Uh, it, It means beloved or dear friend. It's a revered friend, somebody that you value in your life. So church friends are not just any old friends. You may not realize this, but look around this room. The people in this room are supposed to be dear friends. What this means is that the people in this room I am to hold in high esteem. This is my church. This is my church family. There's a sense of loyalty. There's a sense of value that comes along with being a part of a church family. We are to care for one another, and we are to love one another. Just like in a family, you're supposed to care for each other. You're supposed to love one another, and maybe sometimes you even disagree within a family unit, but you can still treat each other with respect and dignity. Revered, that word, esteem. So uh, I used to serve on a board at, at Southwestern Seminary, and there was a time where we had some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is a great archaeological find, Uh, we had some Dead Sea Scrolls there at the seminary. And so they they were going to allow us to hold some of them in our hands. So I was so excited about this, and it was something that everybody was holding in high esteem. And they brought these security guards in, and they had these gloves in, and they passed these two, uh, these two pieces of paper the, from the Dead Sea Scrolls around, and we all got to hold them in our hands. And my name starts with B-A, so I was at the first of the line, Banks, right? And so I'm the first one that gets to hold the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the greatest archaeological discoveries ever, in my hand, and I'm like just holding it so carefully in high esteem, and I look at it, and I'm like, I don't see anything. It just looks like a blank piece of paper. I don't see anything on this. And so I hand it to the guy next to me, and he looks at it and turns it over. (laughs) You're, You're figuring out what happened to me, right? I was looking at the back of the Dead Sea Scrolls, so so I pretended as if I were still intelligent and, and things went, went on. But I just remember that moment about how something like that that was so valuable, we were to hold in high esteem. And John says here that we are to hold one another, the people in our church, as dear friends that we hold in high esteem. And we often fail to see people through loving eyes because our relationship with them is about what we can get from them rather than what we can give. 
Let us love one another. Dear friends, let us love one another. I want to ask you to pray for our brother Clifford. Clifford Dickerson's one of our oldest members uh, here in the church. By oldest, I mean like he's been here a long time. Uh, and he's unable to come now. He's in an assisted living, or he's been in the hospital up in Denison, and he has Parkinson's, and then a couple weeks ago he got COVID, and so it's just been a very challenging time for him. But one of the things that I, I love about Clifford is that he's always just so encouraging. How many of y'all know Clifford? Doesn't he just encourage you when he's around? He's always like, hey, Pastor, how you doing? How's Stacy doing? How's a, how's a, uh, 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 and he could never remember the kid's name, so he'd always say, how's Brandon doing? And how's a, how, you know, and he'd kind of get him just a little bit wrong, but he was always praying, always encouraging. He was a guy that I look at and I think, man, this is a guy that loves other people. And you probably have uh, people in your life that you know that when you're around them, you can see that they just love other people, and they are role models for us. I want to suggest one simple thing, one simple thing that each of us can do to love one another well, and that is approach every conversation with an attitude of what can I give rather than what can I get. When you start talking to people, not for what you can get from them, but what you can give to them, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a lot from that conversation because you're going to start listening and you're going to start being present. You see, when you remove the get from conversation, it opens our ears and our hearts to genuinely love another person and hear what they're saying. There's three questions that people quietly ask when it comes to love. And our spidey senses are always going off around these. Everybody that we meet, we're quietly asking these questions. Are they trustworthy? Do they respect me? Do they treat me with respect? Do they care? And these questions, are they trustworthy? Do they treat people with respect? Do they care? They're always running through our subconscious and sometimes our conscious minds. It's impossible for us to love one another if we're not able to trust one another. Because trust is the foundation upon which love and respect are able to be built. And so I want to talk to you for about five gifts of trust. Five gifts of trust, because I think it's possible to identify what are the building blocks of trust. What helps you become a more trustworthy person? So let's take the word trust, T-R-U-S-T, and because I'm a preacher, and that's what preachers do, I'm going to take this and, and build off of those words. It's kind of a preachery thing to do, you know. I think they teach you that somewhere in seminary. The first one is transcendence. We give the gift of godliness. We be a spiritual person, a person that whenever we approach our relationships, it's not just, uh, you know, Brent's my friend over here, but whenever I'm talking to him, it's not just Brent and me, but it's, it's Brent, myself, and God. 
And I'm wanting to see him grow in his walk with God, and he's wanting to see me grow in my walk with God. I think that's part of what verse 7 and 8 is getting at when it says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. That in our loving relationships and the way that we care about people, we need to give the gift of godliness in our relationship. R stands for respect. We give the gift of dignity to people. It's important that we learn to respect other people's boundaries and to be respectful in how you talk to one another and also how you talk about one another. To be respectful to each other even when maybe you don't get along with one another on something, you can still be respectful. You, understanding. Here we're giving the gift of empathy. I think right now we're facing a crisis of empathy in our country. We are losing the art of getting behind another person's eyes so that we can offer empathy and compassion. Perhaps it's one of the things that's happened as we become more conditioned to the keyboard. <laughs> I don't type like this, really, but yeah. people that type like this drive like this, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we type like this. Everybody, you know, like the, our, our generation's all going to, you know how older people have hip replacements? Yeah, we're all going to have thumb replacements whenever we get old <laughs> because we're going to wear out our, our thumbs. But we have to give the gift of empathy. Get behind another person's eyes. Be compassionate. Try to see things from their perspective. And they'll trust you more. S, safety. Be a safe place. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Loving relationships place us in a vulnerable position because you are trusting each other with at least a part of your heart. And be a safe place for each other. When someone tells you something in confidence, May they know that you are a safe place because you've given the gift of vulnerability by opening your heart and they can trust you with that. Five, truth. The gift of authenticity. Be honest in your speech and conduct. Sometimes you may even have to say something that might be a little bit difficult to say or difficult to hear. You don't have to say that in a mean, angry way. You can say it in a loving way, but... Be honest. Parents, don't lie to your children. Be honest with them. Be honest with one another. Relationships also demand your honest self. That you don't try to portray a false image of who you are. Now here's something very important. You cannot portray a false you forever. Eventually, the real you comes out. Have you ever tried to play a role that you don't really fit? And you try to play that role, maybe it's at work or maybe it's somewhere in life and you're trying to play this role and you're trying to do the best you can, but it's really just not you. What happens over time? Eventually the real you comes out. And in relationships, if the real you is not a trustworthy person, what will start happening in your life 
is that you will float from relationship to relationship, always wondering what's wrong with them. And this pattern will take place where you draw close to people and they realize that you're not really trustworthy where they realize that you'll talk about others and you'll talk about them and you're not a safe place and you're not vulnerable. There's so many walls that nobody really knows you. That will start causing you to have relationships break down because you're not a safe place. You're not a trustworthy person for someone to have a relationship with. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then don't miss verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Now that's a huge thought. God is love. So if you read John's writings three times, he makes statements like this, where he says, God is. And he doesn't say, God is like, he just says, God is this. So in John 4, 24, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, he was quoting Jesus there, who was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And he was telling her that God is spirit and genuine worship has the veracity, it has the truth of Scripture behind it, and it also has a spiritual connection with the God of the universe because God is spiritual. He is spirit. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John wrote these words, God is light. He was talking about truth here. So he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So when we say the holiness of God, it's referring to the fact that God is light. He's not corrupt. He does not have an agenda that is dark. He's not a villain. God is light. He is completely trustworthy and holy. And then when we get to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, this Bible says God is love. Now, it's important that you understand this. Okay, so you listen at this point? God defines love, not love defining God. Okay, that's, an important, that's an important distinction. God shows us a love that you don't really find on Netflix very often. He shows us what genuine love is supposed to look like. Now, because God is spirit, we also begin to realize that love is spiritual. Have you ever thought about this? That love is a spiritual connection between people. We often confuse love for lust. And we enter into loving relationships based upon how people look. Now, this is really interesting when it comes to marriage, when we'll see people enter into marriage, and the major criteria behind the person they're going to attach their life to for the next 
however many years is how they look rather than a spiritual connection. Now, here's the problem with that. Back in July, the family and I went to White Sands, New Mexico, and there's a national monument there called the White Sands National Monument. Anybody ever been there before? It's pretty cool because, like, this gypsum, gypsum comes off the mountains, it goes through the streams, and then it blows across the desert, and it's broken down into this finely this powder type stuff, and it all lands in this one area in the middle of nowhere. And so you have these huge white sand dunes as far as the eye can see. It's kind of like the, the beach meets the desert and meets a snowstorm, all, all kind of together. And so we're there, and we're sledding down the sand dunes. And at one point, I get hot, and one of my kids gets sand in his eyes. And so I take my shirt off. Now, I'm not going to show you a picture because I don't want to be a stumbling block to a lot of y'all in your faith, and I don't want to cause you to have bad thoughts, so, so you know, I won't, take my, I won't show you the picture, but uh, my mother-in-law, God bless her, took pictures of me with my shirt off. And so I was looking at these pictures, and I noticed something. How my muscles look in my mind is not how they looked in that photo. I mean, something's kind of shifted or changed. You know, the body changes. Circumstances change. People change. And if you love people just based upon how they look or what they can give you, you're going to be constantly disappointed. But God, and God His Spirit reminds me that true love is a soul connection. My mind is wrestling with this thought, and I'm trying to kind of sort it out in my own mind, but how unusual it is that we have never seen God. None of us have ever touched Jesus. We haven't ever had Jesus literally be in the room with us. We've never spent any time physically actually in the room with Jesus. What we know about Jesus, we know through the scriptures. And yet his love for us and our love for God is foundational to who we are as human beings. That there is a spiritual connection that is really at the heart of genuine love, and God is spirit. Because God is light, he teaches us that love has definition. So one of the themes of the world today is that love is love. You'll see it on t-shirts, you'll see it in different places. And the, the idea is, is that love is whatever we make it. So essentially, you define love for yourself. And so however you define love, however you see love, that is, that is what, what, what it is. But Scripture teaches us that there is a definition to love. That there are some things that are loving, and there are some things that are not loving. That God has revealed to us what genuine love looks like. So if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, because here 
we can start putting some definition to love. Now, probably many people in this room had parts of this chapter read at your wedding. It's often read even at funerals and different things like that. We call it the love chapter. It's the Valentine's Day chapter, right? And it's perfectly acceptable to use this in the way that you want to love other human beings. But if you read the chapter, you see that it's actually describing God's love for us and how God loves his people. And then we as his people, because God is love and he shines light on what love is, we can then take that kind of love into our relationships with others. So let's look at what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Is that how you love people? With patience? Are you kind? When the Bible tells us to love one another, that's the expectation. That through the Spirit of God, we'll learn to be patient with each other. We'll be kind to each other. Now we also see some things about what love is not. Love does not envy. Love doesn't stand over here with arms folded going, must be nice. Must be nice. It's not envious. It's not wanting things that God hasn't given to you. It doesn't covet. Love is not boastful. It's not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I've got my book right here. This is everything you've ever done wrong. I'm gonna, we're, gonna go, we're gonna go line by line. You ready? God shines light onto what love is. And he says, look, love is not envious, it's not boastful. Love is not puffed up in this, hey, look at me, and, and it's all about me. Love is not rude, it's not self-seeking with what can I get from this person. Love's not moody and irritable and always jumping on the people that you love. It's not constantly making this record of everything that somebody has done wrong to you where it's like, okay, you're at, the Bible says 70 times 7 I'm supposed to forgive you and you are now at 489. One more time, you're out, okay? That's not love. Instead, love finds no joy in unrighteousness. Love doesn't find joy in those things that lead us away from God. Instead, love rejoices or finds joy. Rejoice has its roots in this idea of joy and purpose. Love rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Even when people change, even when looks change, even when circumstances change, Love continues to bear on. It continues to go forward. Believing all things. Believing that God is who He is. Having faith. Hopes all things. Knowing that there's something beyond. 
knowing that beyond this world there is a place called heaven, knowing that there is a future and forgiveness for all of us, and that God still desires to write a story through your, to use your life for his glory. And love endures all things. It doesn't go away. It doesn't stop. Yeah, sometimes maybe circumstances change and sometimes it, but it endures. And God defines love for us. So when we say God is love, what we're wanting to know is what is love? And if we want to know what is love, we look to God and we see this is love. And because God is love, disciples must love one another. Jesus told this to his disciples in John chapter 13. If you haven't noticed yet, John talks a lot about love. He even called himself the disciple who Jesus loved. And in John chapter 13 and verse 34, just before Jesus goes through all the events of the cross, he tells the disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says this is a new command, meaning that it requires a new beginning. For you to live out this this command, you have to have a new beginning in Christ. It requires of you and me a step of faith to trust in Christ. And when we do that, Jesus changes the way that we love others. If you want to be a loving person, connect your life to the source of love. And as you take those steps of faith towards God, He begins to change the way that you love people from what do I want from them to what does God want for them. Jesus says this is a command. <laughs> Moms, you ever give commands? There's a difference between a command and a suggestion, right? So when Stacy tells the kids, hey, if you have time, could you clean your room? That's a suggestion. When she says, I told you to clean your room, and if you don't do it, she would never talk that way. Anyway, if you don't do it, you're, you know, that's a command, okay? So here, Jesus is giving us a command. What this means, and make sure you download this, loving each other is not optional for Christians. We have to care about one another. Well, I don't want that, Pastor. I'm just not a very loving person. It's not optional. You don't understand. I think it's too soft to love people. We're supposed to be tough. Loving one another is required. And he gives us an example of what it looks like. Just as I have loved you. He's not asking us to do anything that he didn't do. Jesus cared about people. He reached out to the sick, the lonely, the people that no one cared about. His death is the ultimate example of love. And he says, I want you as my followers to love others as I have loved you. And then he gives us the result. By this, people will know that we are his disciples. How does it end? If, talk with me now. I know it's getting close to lunchtime. If you what? Okay. 
that's the litmus test right there. Okay, people are going to know that you're genuine and you're real and you're authentic. People are going to know that you are his disciples by your love for one another. That comes from Jesus. So if you don't like that part, you've, you've got issues with Christianity, okay? This is how people will know that you are my disciples. And so, dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. On a personal note, I want to say thank you to this church for the way that you love me and my family my children. Karis is a freshman in high school now. She took her first steps right back there where Bobby's sitting years ago. My kids are growing up here, and we found a loving church family here. A year ago, I got COVID. I got a bad case of it, and you guys loved us. You enjoyed the three weeks that I wasn't here to preach. Best sermons you heard all year. This year, back in February, my father died. And the church loved us. What is that? That's being dear friends. It's being genuine. It's being Christians. And I pray that you know that I love you too. You know, there's no other church I want to be at. This is the last church I ever planned to pastor. I mean, God could always do something, but I'm here. If you don't like the preaching, I'm going to be here a while. So, so, you know, might get comfortable. But I pray that you know that I love you. I won't ever be a perfect pastor to you. But I love you. And I, I pray that we would commit to one another to love each other and to treat one another with love and respect and genuinely care about one another. That's church. Dear friends, worshiping, growing, and serving God as he changed our life, changes our lives through the power of the gospel. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads with me, please? Let me ask you this question. Are you, in your own life, being a loving person? Are you being loving? Cody and Taylor are going to come, and they're going to lead us in worship. And while they do, this is a time where you can respond to God however he leads. It may be that while they sing, you just need to spend some time in prayer and you can just remain seated and pray. Perhaps you want to sing with them and you can stand and sing with them. Perhaps this is a time where God leads you to go and pray for somebody. Perhaps there's somebody sitting around you or a friend that's in the room that's going through a difficult time and they just need someone to come over and put a hand on the shoulder and pray for them today there's anything that I can pray with you about, I'm here at the front. 
And it's my joy and my honor to pray for you in all things. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the love that we have in one another. I pray that that might continue to grow. I pray that even as we go through changes in our lives and even as the world changes around us, that our love might remain, that we will be able to express it. I pray that we will be trustworthy people. I pray that we will treat one another with respect, understanding, that we will be safe places for one another. I pray, Lord, that you might grow us and mature us. And when, we, when people think about Murphy Church, may they know that this is a place where love abounds, where we stand for truth, but we do so with open hearts, loving people, meeting them at their point of need, and leading them to the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.